So our podcast is called Right and Wrong. So are these your notes? These, <laughs> are these your notes about what we're going to say? What does I it say? It would be a good. <laughs> I didn't even get to idea. Okay. Maybe I can just ask you the question. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's going well. It's going really well. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Right and Wrong podcast. I'm Jamie. And I'm Emma. And we are super excited to be interviewing the wonderful Felicity True, agent at Caroline Sheldon Literary Agency. One of the things Jamie and I really wanted to do with this podcast was expand it to all aspects of storytelling and publishing. Yeah. Yeah. Because there are a lot of people out there who like really love books and reading, but don't necessarily want to be a writer or an illustrator. Yeah, exactly. They just want to work in the industry. Exactly. So we're so excited to have our very first agent on the show to tell us all <laughs> about what it means to be really at the centre of it all. Uh, hello, <laughs> Felicity. Welcome. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hello, hello, Welcome. hello. <laughs> um, it's really great to have you. And I guess the best place to start is... Uh, could you just tell us about your path into becoming an agent? Oh, absolutely. It's a, it's a long story, so I'll try and be brief because um, <laughs> I, I actually did not know what a literary agent was. <laughs> I loved reading. I loved books. I had a passion for reading. I studied it at university. I did an MA in Renaissance literature. I just knew that it was what I wanted to do. Um, and, uh, anyway, I didn't know what a literary agent was. And so my journey actually started with knowing what an acting agent was, which is my sister mm. was an actor and she had okay. an agent and I watched her have this very confusing relationship with her agent, the fear of answering the phone. And, and I always knew that creatives need to have that representation. But as I watched it through my sister, I thought there's got to be a better way. Why does this upset me so much? There has to be a really inspiring and positive way to be an agent. And I never thought much about it. And actually, I found out what a literary agent was, bizarrely, um, during the Egyptian revolution, where (laughs) my family were, um, uh, totally unexpected. My (laughs) brother-in-law is a British Egyptian, and my sister um, is married to him and they went to Egypt you know for the revolution he you know was born there lived there and that was so important to him and my other sister was a journalist and my sister my eldest sister actually met a literary agent in Tahrir Square who was there because her author was writing a book about the revolution and asked a little bit about what do you do you know and she called me and, and I visited Egypt a lot um when I could to be with my family and I grew up in the Middle East so it's a very important place for me and she described the job role as this incredible way of being passionate advocate supporting talent spotting contracts negotiator because my father um was a lawyer and so I used to read contracts just for fun don't ask me I'm a strange (laughs) person and it just sort of came together and she said you know have you ever thought about being a literary agent and that was it that was it. I I knew it in my heart of hearts that oh, to away, look wow. after straight away. Straight away, I, I moved to London and I um, stayed in my uh, just wherever I could to intern in literary agencies, and that really was the beginning of my story. And I really feel like it found me, and I think that's honestly, I don't know how. 
it's a very special story to me because I just couldn't believe that there was a role out there that could be so nurturing, that could mm. create and mix, you know, creativity with business and to protect yeah. people in that yeah. and to nurture people in that and to provide that positivity that I always felt I wanted to give to my sister but couldn't. Um, mm. So that's the sort of like inspiration for it, if you like. It's a lovely story. That's great. I love that. Yeah. Mm. What's the 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 mechanics of it then? You said you did a yeah. number of internships. Was it a, a, a quite a slog to kind of get your foot in the door? Yes. Or did you? It was. <laughs> and um, if it's one thing I remember, it's always thinking my mantra at the time was it's not a waste of time. It's not a waste of time. <laughs> I applied. <laughs> Actually, yeah. my first internship was... But the first agency I ever approached was the Caroline Sheldon Literary Agency. Oh, wow. I sent off my CV. I, you know, I'd done a lot of research into um, agencies and I, and I thought Caroline looked superb. And uh, I never got a response. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, my first day when I got my first job at the Caroline Sheldon Literary Agency, I did go back and find my, my first ever uh, CV sent off to agents and I looked at it and I went Felicity no wonder that is a dreadful CV that is a terrible <laughs> and, uh, and I, I, I learned a lot I learned a lot and, and I realized you know um, luckily Caroline never put two and two together so I just never mentioned it in my team. <laughs> that's um, brilliant well if she listens but, yeah. to this she's going to figure it out <laughs> I know exactly she knows Sorry, now she, she knows now exactly um you said that you were an avid reader and like, mm. that was the kind of very, very, very small starting point of this whole rather inspiring journey. Did you ever want to write yourself? Such an interesting question. Um, the, 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 the real answer to this is, is no. And I say this to my authors a lot. I cannot get beyond my own voice in my head. I've tried to write. Right. <laughs> I can't. And, it's, you know, we all have that voice in our head that sort of uh, that, that's ours, you know. And I find what's truly incredible about authors is how they can almost, you know, transcend themselves, see things in people. And, and I have mm. such oh, admiration for that. But the one thing I did realize mm. that I had from my studies and from, from was an absolute fascination in the psychology of writing. Um, I often start edits that I, I work on with my authors saying, so tell me why you wrote this. How did you feel when you wrote this? Because that helps the editorial process so much. Because when you read the manuscript, you go back and you go, I can, you know, can feel you're worrying about this. Or, you know, let's, let's, and sometimes, for example, the beginning is often an author's very, very gentle way into starting. So a lot of the time it's right. Let's that prologue. Is that a prologue for your for yourself? An important part of the process. I think we can just start here. So I suddenly realised that no, my talent wasn't in doing something like that, which I admire so much. What I love to do is to look at the bigger picture, the bigger structures, the um, to to look at to look at the way uh, a manuscript sort of reflects the author but also I can see the structure I can see the plot I can see and also as an avid reader I I know what I want um yeah so no is the short answer but I love love editing 
and ideas, coming up with ideas with authors and wow. sitting there saying, what do you want to write? What is it that it, it's... You really it's, have found your calling. I really have. agency, haven't you? Yeah, I have. <laughs> I'm so and, lucky. And speaking of as a calling, um, Emma mentioned at the beginning that we wanted to create this podcast to, to sort of shed light on not just how to, you know, write a story and get it published or produced or whatever, but also how people get into the industry. Mm. For people listening who want to follow a similar path to you, become an agent or, you know, something similar... Can you share a little bit of detail on what perhaps they're getting themselves in for, what to expect if they do manage to get a foot in the door? You have to really, really, I think, kind of immerse yourself in it. There's no half in and half out. Um, When I became an assistant to Caroline, um, you know, quite honestly, I think I just would have become the oldest assistant ever to her because I loved the authors. <laughs> I loved working with her and I just needed, needed, needed that job. You know, I, I, I could just, I just, it was a passion, but let's talk detailed. Mm. As you say, you know, that meant that if there was an author event, I went to it. If, um, if mm. there was something I could do, I did it. You know, I ended up, and um, permissions are very, very basic licenses when a publisher wants to use an author's poem in an anthology, but they are very, very minute, but very important licenses that are the beginning of a contract, if you like. They're very sort of basic but crucial contracts to license poetry or something like that. So I got so involved in that. I was curious as to why, how does this clause, what does this mean? How are we thinking about this this moment in the license that is basically expanded in a bigger contract? So I went to author events. I, I did as, as, as much as I could and I listened and asked why and became very curious mm. and watched. And I was so privileged to have, you know, Caroline take me on in that team because I, you know, Number one, we're incredible friends, but I learned so much from her. And then you sort of figure out your own way of doing it as well. But I was lucky to have that fantastic mentoring beginning. So mentoring, mentoring, mentoring. I mean, even before I got mm-hmm. my job at the Caroline Sheldon, I was lucky enough to, I spoke to agents, I approached them, don't be frightened. I've actually had Zoom calls with people throughout lockdown who said they're interested in becoming a literary agent. And, you know, people do give you their time, you know, but you have to kind of immerse yourself, take that extra step, put yourself forward. And yeah, I don't know if that helps, but I think that's that's important for me is I was curious and hungry for knowledge and critical Mm. and questioning myself would I have done that how you know I always find these things fascinating every single experience you might experience yourself one day so I think that for me was really really important being curious about contracts and people and authors and events and just just going that extra mile to be there yeah, yeah, definitely. You make it all sound so fascinating. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, <laughs> so I, I mean, let's filter it down a little bit more. And could you um, explain the role of an agent for our listeners and, and I guess what their, your day to day is? Sure. Well, I, I actually have, um, I've carefully selected these words and I've, I've used them throughout the whole time I've been an agent because I set myself the task of what is a literary agent because you know, it's, mm. I didn't know the answer to that question at university and I felt it important to share. 
we are talent spotters. So we find, um, you know, unagented authors wherever. I've, I've found um, it, not just um, reading the submissions, but at parties or events or people or places. Actually, one of my um, authors is, was my next door neighbor. Um, she's now moved. But, you know, <laughs> everywhere is this wonderful potential for talent. And then you have to become an advocate of that talent, nurturing them. Um, What is the right path for them? Um, Finding out what they want to write and really nurturing that talent and being an advocate of that talent. Because I think when you take someone on as an agent, that's precisely what you're saying. You're saying, I have faith in your Mm -hmm. writing for a very long, long relationship. And that's going to have its highs and its lows and the market will do whatever. But my love of your work is unwavering. So you're a talent supporter, Mm -hmm. advocate. You're a counsellor. Um, lots and lots of times <laughs> yeah. I'm on the phone with authors <laughs> that say, I just can't write anymore. I don't know what I'm doing. Help me. Um, mm. um, and also life. Life is complicated and life affects writing. And it's very much supporting them in that. And, of course, you're the contract negotiator, which is basically negotiating very complicated clauses. But essentially, the contract is also, and I've always said this, a very living and breathing thing. There's no such thing as the perfect contract. Everything is evolving. We didn't know ebooks were going to be around. You know, it's all you yeah, always yeah. have to think about the future of the book, and the book is growing. So it's thinking about mm. every eventuality, whether the book will be a massive success, how you know, imagining all these things that haven't happened yet, but that the contract covers. So it's also contract negotiator. Um and I, I just think, you know, another word that I love to use is Um, (laughs) co-conspirator. I just have this image in my head of sort of two giggling girls, like thinking about, um, you know, you're you're co-conspirator with them. Um, uh, If you have lots and lots of publishers, you've got to decide where they want their career to go and you've got to make decisions that are best for the author because the author is always primarily first. Um, so yeah. you've, you've got to make complicated decisions and help them through them and strategies. And there is a little bit of whispering and giggling in there as well. So I love the word <laughs> co-conspirator and finally, yeah, I guess, great. battle planning, which is like strategizing an author's career. You know, you can't, if you're an illustrator, publish multiple, you know, hundreds of picture books every year because then you end up competing against yourself. You know, when someone walks into mm-hmm. the shop, then, you know, you, you've got to think about you're not going to compete against yourself in the market. You're going to, someone isn't just going to buy that book um, because they've already got one of your books, you know. So it's all these things. All these no, things. it makes sense. Uh, and, you know, as you've mentioned before, you, you love and immerse yourself heavily into words and the industry of sharing stories. Like, how much do you um, have to read per week and do you get the chance to read in your own time and of your own choice <laughs> I see that's another thing I love is I get to read all the unpublished books you know and I get to read uh, the first yeah. drafts of things that not even publishers will read because the authors will send mm-hmm. me their manuscripts first so there's a great privilege it's, it's very raw and it's very vulnerable so it's important at that point to 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 read it you know, but carefully and sensitively. Uh, but yes, a lot of reading. The submissions inbox mm. um, as an agency, I think we can get up to about, you know, 40 a day, if not more. Wow. Um, so there's a lot of reading. 
involved and then a lot of a lot of reading manuscripts that come through to authors and also you want to know what's what's reading what's working in the market but it hasn't destroyed my love of reading because we are all (laughs) (laughs) it just it just hasn't at all I I still settle down at the end of the day with with the book however I might look at the copyright page and see who published it and maybe read the acknowledgements page to see the agents mentioned in it and so I've always got that <laughs> hat on but no not at yeah. all I mean it's it is a lot of reading but there's always time for books of course <laughs> and some agents I guess are more editorial and some less mm. um how involved do you like to get with your clients work everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Very much so. I love... <laughs> I love talking to my authors and having um, lunches with them and talking about ideas as they're formulating in their minds. I mean, I've had authors send me literally mind maps of ideas. So I work, I, I, I love to be involved. But as with everything in agenting, I very much follow the lead of my authors and what they need from me. Um, some of my authors need to to almost write a whole first draft before I become involved, mm. you know, but I love it. I love ideas and coming up with ideas and thoughts for books and, um, and it's, you know, and picture books as well. You know, we represent everything from picture books to, you know, adult fiction, you know, so, so we do the whole range. And so it's lovely to have a conversation with an author that might be writing an adult fiction book, thinking about writing a picture book as well, you know, and these are all things that, that the two of us having lunch together can kind of bring together. And it's an amazing feeling when the lunch is finished and you think, I think that's a book. We've got it. Now you yeah, just have to write it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, now the hard bit. Yeah, I know. And I think it's like, you know, making someone's dreams come true, basically, or oh. a story come to life is so lovely. Um, and um, you said, you mentioned a little bit earlier, was it 40 submissions per day or week? Yeah. Did you say that you got yeah. into the... I think it could be even more as an agency. Um, it's a lot. It's an awful lot. And I do do a lot of kind of, I do try and talk to authors as much as I can across, you know, um, about writing the submissions letter in order to make it really, really stand out and to, you know, because... The, the thing that I think a lot of authors can can well can easily forget if they don't know is that you know we write a submissions letter to the publishers and we have to stand mm-hmm. out so I'm a big believer in explaining the skills that I've learned by writing to publishers and sharing those with authors to make sure that there's a kind of openness about about what it's like and a lot of the time you're reading the submissions you know on the train on your commute when you're home in the evenings and yeah. weekends it's not something you know when I, when I'm working I need to be working for my authors so it, yeah. it's it's a very very quick decision and um and it, it's, it's it's a lot of pressure on us as well because you you always worry about the one that slips through the fingers you know yeah. um but yeah it there's it's it's a very very competitive 
space but I think that's just the beginning that 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 gives you all the energy you need to really fight and challenge that (laughs) in terms of the submission process at Caroline Sheldon Mm. You ask for, uh, it's a, a a short pitch, the synopsis, and then the yes. first 10,000 words, which yes. is pretty standard, I think, among yeah. a lot of agencies. Um, of those three things, what order do you go through them? And then sort of how much weight do you attribute to the various different things? So the pitch is very important to us at, at the Caroline Sheldon literary agents actually Caroline and I talked about this a lot because I think it's a good exercise to do for any author to ensure that you if you can really get the heart of your book and distill it in those three lines then the heartbeat works you know I think Mm -hmm. if you're struggling with it then it's like are there two stories that you're telling in the manuscript are there three do you know what the focus is so it's not so much a pitch to, to sell as an exercise for authors to really make sure that the manuscript is ready. So that's very, very important. Yeah, I think that's a really healthy way of looking at it for authors, because I know a lot of people dread writing a pitch, but looking at it through that lens is is a very healthy exercise. Absolutely. I've always felt that. And so the pitch is very important for yourself and to know your book. But I, I do probably go straight into the writing myself. I do glimpse, I look at the email the cover letter you know whatever you want to call it and then I do go straight into the writing because you know writing that grabs me you know it does it does feel like it's singing off the page you know and there are reasons why these cliches make sense and every time I say a cliche I catch myself but they are really really good truths so I have to say I probably read the cover letter just to make sure it sounds professional and and like this is someone that I could have a cup of coffee with you know and then I will get into the um into into the writing itself and then I'm then I'm completely there um and yeah okay and the synopsis you just throw it in the bin Mm. (laughs) (laughs) do you know what (laughs) this the synopsis I I get to once I'm hooked at the writing because then okay. I want to know, because um, the first three chapters for anyone, remember again, the first three chapters isn't just got to grab me. If, you know, someone has to pick that book off the shelf and read it and want to read more. So yeah. the first three chapters, if it's left me wanting to read more, then I rush to the synopsis because I have to know more. So it's not mm. that I consider it any more or less important, but I think a lot of authors worry about the synopsis as well. Um, and I would just say, just, you know, we just want to know how the story is going to end, you know, and, and whether yeah. it works, but mm. it, you've got to grab them in the first three chapters, because then it's like, it's like finishing a story and I don't know where it's going to end, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And do you make a point of reading every submission in full or is, sometimes do you read a few pages and you just know that this is not going anywhere? I don't think. I, you know, I don't think it would be, I think you have to understand there's a wonderful thing in the submissions inbox and that it really is open to everybody. And that's a wonderful thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But therefore, sometimes there are submissions in there where someone wrote it last night 
that I thought it'd be ready for you this morning. <laughs> yeah. You know, you have to see the very the variations of, 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 of you have to know the context within which an email is arriving. And so yeah. I mm. I I could you know I would never say I I read every single um submissions you know I I I don't mm. know if that would be you know that I just wouldn't you know there's time and um I mean every single one is read but I wouldn't say that every yeah. single one is read in full and I think you have to understand the wide variety that we're talking about here um mm. yeah. yeah and 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 it just wouldn't be possible um you know mm-hmm. in the same way that we couldn't give feedback to everybody you know um yeah it's just one of those things yeah there's too many but conversely uh do you find that when you find something that's a real hidden gem Mm. do you know how early on do you know and what is it that really draws you into the writing or the story oh you know instantly and my heart starts beating and I'm reading it and I get to the end of the three chapters. And sometimes it is like, I need to email this author right away. And I have to say why I have to read the full manuscript. I mean, it is, it is the, the energy in that moment is something special. And then mm-hmm. I will stay up all night if need be to read it that night. <laughs> I mean, I, I really Aww. will. And, and then straight up in the morning writing, and a, a hopefully a thoughtful gushing email as to why I think this is so important to me and to the world. And um, it's, it's quite pressurized actually at that point. And especially when you just know that this is, this is one you really, really, really want to fight for. And um, they always panic. I hope I haven't left it too late. You know, I hope I, I, so there's lots of anxiety and energy there as well, but how do you know, I, I, I've tried to answer this question so many different ways. And, and I think for me, it just has to be a very, very, again, cliched answer, but voice for me. Yeah. It's when I feel like I'm reading something that someone else has expressed in my mind that I can't seem to do myself, you know, that I recognize yeah. immediately. I feel connected to what's being said. I just think, gosh, you know, why have I never seen it so plainly like that? Why have I never felt it so plainly like that? <laughs> it's like a and revelation. A revelation, yeah. exactly. Yeah. exactly. And that's just so, so important. And I don't know how you can, you know, it's something quite raw and it's something that you feel. Um, and I get exactly the same feeling when reading picture books or reading a women's fiction novel or a psychological thriller it's something that you haven't seen mm. before, but that you recognize so like intrinsically. It's really like it yeah. feels very human. And and that's that's when your heart starts beating. You know, you know you're going to be reading this until you've got to the end and you're just typing that email to the author no matter what time of night it is, because this is something you really, really want, as it should be. You know, you want an author to feel wanted. <laughs> well, I can tell you, if I got an email from an agent at, and I looked <laughs> and, and it said 3.45 a.m., I'd, yeah. I'd be like, well, it's a little odd. <laughs> no, no, no. Do you know what? You're right. I, I, I always leave them till the morning. 
I draft it and I'm yeah. like, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave it till the morning with a cup of coffee and I will send it to you calm and, you know, professional. Yeah, probably wise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd be like, oh, but at least they liked it that they stayed up until 3am yeah. to read it. Yeah. You know, it's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess for Felicity, this rolls on, I guess, to the million dollar question. What genres or styles of stories are you hoping to see in the second half of 2021? Well, I think we need, I think we need a lot of, of, of laughter, love, you know, healing and hopefulness. And I'm hearing this across, mm-hmm. you know, because I always speak to publishers all the time. We have lots and lots of meetings and I ask them, you know, what are you looking for? Or, you know, not, not that an author should ever write to a market because that's never going to work. But right. what am I looking for? You know, I, I think I think something with real kind of I, I think on the one hand, I'm at, bizarrely, I think one thing we probably really need is is a lot of laughter and a lot of love and a lot of humor. And I think that's in picture books and I think that's in, in fiction. But I also think on the other hand, there's, you know, when you have these extremes pushes to one, there's usually another push to another. So I'm actually really on the lookout for crime thriller at the moment. I kind of feel that there's a space <laughs> yeah. where like, I want to be either super scared or like super in love or like absolutely giggling over something you know, um, and um, I, I think there's lots of extremes happening at the moment, and I love that. Um, and I think that's that's kind of probably reflecting how we're all feeling. I mean, you know, it's kind of like I feel these extreme bursts of hopefulness and extreme bursts of anxiety, and maybe I'm just sort mm-hmm. of reflecting this need to explore both of those things now we felt them, you know. Um, I don't know if that's that's helpful at all, but I'd love an amazing (laughs) epic romance and I'd love a good crime thriller, a domestic crime thriller would be fantastic. You know, I'm feeling that very much (laughs) kind of push and pull of like, you know, marriage or murder or, you know. There's a lot of of that out there in film at the moment as well. I think so too. Like TV series as well, isn't there? Definitely. It's kind of a thing that obviously people are wanting to uh, (laughs) engage with at the moment. Um, It's like pure escapism or or pure gritty Mm, realism. You know, I think something in the middle is is kind of not really where we're at at the moment, which is is really, really interesting. It's really like raw. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. And for the listeners who are hearing this now and have a romantic crime thriller (laughs) novel fusion for you, um, you, are you open to submissions at the moment? I'm open to submissions. We're always open to submissions. Always open. You hear that, listeners? Yep, there you go. You represent Picture Books, MGYA. And yes, I represent everything Picture Books, MGYA. Um, commercial women's fiction, uh, love a psychological thriller, uh, crime, okay. you know, but, but I think fiction is our heartland. I think, you know, um, okay. I think, I think that's, that's kind of where we are. And, and, and you, you know, if you always get bored, you can go on the website and see how many of our adult authors are also writing under pseudonyms, children's books. You know, there is a reason why we do both. And it's, it's, so I've, I'm such a privilege to be able to be involved in, those kind of, you know, 800 word picture books and 80,000 word fiction. I mean, 
it's it's amazing how I draw so much experience from both of those two opposing genres to edits and yeah. to, to all of it. So I think it's I'm so lucky to be able to be building a list that enables me to do all those things. And I have such respect for each and every one of them. Um, and that that's the way I think um, publishing should be. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Well, that brings us, I think, onto our final question, uh, which is, <laughs> if you were stranded on a desert island and could only take a single book with you, which book would you take? God, you know, every time I listen to Island Discs, <laughs> do you know how many times I've tried to, to, to do this with books? It, it, I take about half an hour and I daydream in my mind. This is why they asked the question. We're just yeah. like, you know. Well, okay, well, I, I would very much ask to, to, to be allowed to take the complete works of Shakespeare as in, as in, <laughs> as, as just a given you're in the, the second person that's asked I, for a complete works i i just i, I just think it's, that's very very important to me and, and i really thought i have thought long and hard about this because i've been absolutely dreading it to be honest this is the one <laughs> the one book i've bought the most copies of in my life which mm. i think might be i've bought 15 to 20 copies of, of, of this book personally for for people i love and that is Oh, I thought you meant for you. No, 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 no. That's excessive, Felicity. But uh, (laughs) not for me. Different rooms. Exactly. Um, It would be a monster (laughs) calls. Patrick Ness, Sean Dowd, and Jim Kay. Um, This this book, I think, could teach me a lot on a desert island Mm. when I'm alone about humanity. And um, this book, it, it 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 absolutely changed my life. I feel. Um, I, I actually, you know, I lost my, my mother to cancer at the age of 21. And this book means everything to me. And I think Jim Kay's illustrations are beautiful. And for me, yeah. this is the perfect, perfect kind of, um, you know, object for something that, that, that really brings children and adults together on the page. And it's kind yeah. of everything that I th- feel so privileged to do, you know, working in children's books and adult fiction. And it just, just, where do you put this on the shelf? Do you know what I mean? Where, how yeah. do you know where to put this on the shelf? It's touched so many people that I, I think this is the one I'll be taking with me with my complete works of Shakespeare. Um, <laughs> Are you taking two? Yeah. Taking two yeah. off for a million. Yeah. <laughs> uh, exactly, okay. exactly. Oh. Thank you so much. Thank you so um, much. Yeah, for speaking to us today and, you know, sharing your knowledge and passion for the industry. You're clearly very, very passionate about it. And it's it's lovely to hear that. Um, It's very inspiring. Very inspiring. Yeah. Thank you for giving us the chance to talk. Us agents are usually quite backstage, so it's lovely to, to talk to you guys. And, um, and it's, oh, no, it's great. We're trying to get more agents on. Yeah, well, definitely. it's been so much fun. So thank you guys so much. <laughs> thank you. Oh, thank you for listening. Thank you for your time. 
As of February 2022, Felicity is no longer a literary agent, though everything that she said in this episode and the second episode that she comes on later on is still brilliant and very useful for anyone who is writing, looking to submit or getting into the industry. To make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, follow us on Twitter at Right and Wrong UK and on Instagram at Right and Wrong Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you in the next one. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.